1: What's up guys this is the talking the star podcast i'm your host connor live you joined by my old co-host but a guest now in mark schofield back on the show uh it's been a couple i guess it's been a couple months now since you've been on but
0: mark how you doing I, i'm doing well man how are you how are things i've seen your timeline is a little bit calmer yeah a couple bit. of weeks a little, a little bit. bit calmed down
1: it, it's it's been a little bit a little bit easier you know we we get the quarterback back and the offense looks more like we kind of Actually we didn't expect it to in the offseason, but closer to what we're used to, I guess you could say with, with the Dallas offense. But uh yeah, it's been it's been a fun last uh we had you back I think we had you on September twenty eighth. So that was like right towards the end of Cooper Rush's, you know, four and one hold off while while Dak was hurt, which was awesome. But there was a lot of arguments in that time frame <laughs> about who should be the quarterback and what's best for the offense and they're kind of through that now and into the good part of the season for this team. And and I was excited to maybe get some of your thoughts on it because we talked a lot. I mean, for those who maybe just jumped into the show, me and Mark did the show weekly all off season pretty much and into the start of the season. So we talked a lot about, you know, I mean, a lot of things we just, we, you know, we, we didn't think that they'd be good enough on offense. We thought the offensive line would be terrible. We you know the, the passing, Game While some of that stuff still holds true a little bit, we kind of got proven wrong. So I wanted to get your thoughts, kind of what you've thought since – really since Dak's gotten back, what the offenses look like and kind of where you see they need to improve and where you think they're doing things right right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, Connor, Um getting ready to come on. I, like, rewatched the past couple of weeks of this passing game. And what what I like about what they're doing in the passing game – is they've got multiple ways to beat you. What, what's interesting is you look at that Indianapolis game, and one of the things that I really like to do when studying quarterbacks generally um, is filter out throws by 10 yards or more because I, I think that gives you a really good insight as to what they're doing schematically, how the quarterback is executed in the passing game. You look at that game against Indianapolis, there wasn't much. No. You know, A lot of what they were doing was attack it underneath, throw to the flat, throws underneath. They had a couple, but they didn't go well. There was the... Pickle on the left side of the field, you know, receiver kind of stumbles. Um, There were a couple of seam route opportunities, the one before halftime that got broken up. Um, Then he had a seam route to Schultz later in the game that was a really good reading throw. But then you look the week before that, Thanksgiving against the Giants, and it's a lot of downfield stuff. They were really attacking in the vertical passing game. A lot of double digs, a lot of post digs, stuff like that, where they're attacking the downfield passing game. And what I like about that is they've shown since Prescott has come back an ability to beat you multiple ways in the pass game, which I think is huge. Now, look, we know some of the struggles, right? We're talking about an offense that is not getting a ton of production out of the wide receiver room. You know, various numbers you can look at, various metrics where 20th, 21st, you know, in wide receiver production, you know, they're getting good productions for the most part from the tight end room and decent production out of the running back room in the passing game. But I really think it's the versatility conceptual The way they can attack you downfield if they want to, they can attack underneath. That gives you multiple ways to go into a game and say, all right, look, they got a great secondary. You know, we're going to see a really good secondary against the Eagles. Maybe we want to throw underneath, you know, over the next couple of weeks against Houston and Jacksonville. You can probably throw wherever you want, (laughs) um, but you can probably attack downfield because those secondaries aren't as good. Um, And I think that's a very good thing to have. You know, I know we'll probably get into the defense. That's really what stood out to me for the most part, though. Yeah, no, I mean, you try to
1: like, I think last week
0: was a perfect example of like
1: what people like us go through every week is you try to wear both of those caps during the game, like the analyst cap and the fan cap. And, like, during the game, I was like, God, I hate the way this offense looks right now. It's just so many throws to the running back, throw many, you know, a lot of hitch routes to the tight ends. You know, every every throw to the receivers, whether it was slants or post or scene throws, it was, like, tight coverage. You know, so it's just like – then I was like, wait a second, who's the Colts defense coordinator again? And I was like, that's Gus Bradley, and he doesn't let you really throw the ball deep a ton. So, um, I mean, they play a lot of that cover three look that, you know, just makes it tough to really – attack the deeper yeah. portion of the field. So during the game, I'm like, man, it they're in a lot of third and fours and a lot of third and fives. And it's like, while that was true, it's also that's kind of what you're gonna have to do against a defense like that. And you just you hope that you can run the football with success, which they did because that's kind of what they allow you to do. And they do allow that underneath stuff and hope that you, you make more mistakes than they make. And they didn't have the penalty um issues that they've had in previous weeks. I think they only penalized three times. Um, so that helps. And then obviously when you're able to run the ball for two twenty, whatever they did, you know, that, that, that really just makes things easy.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's the other thing, like now that you brought up the run game, like this is a very balanced offense, right? You're looking at the fact that, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, they're seventh in EPA per play as an offense, but they're just 11th in EPA per drop back. They're fourth in EPA per rush. They're just one of seven teams in the NFL that has a positive expected points added per run play. They can run the ball extremely well. They've shown you a variety, like we just talked about in the passing game. And I think the the fact about Gus Bradley's defense and what they do conceptually on the defensive side of the ball, you know, it's like you said, it's that single high cover three, but it's sort of a press cover three at times where, you know, you might have to win quickly in the down Otherwise, there won't be opportunities to make plays, and so that's why you saw slants, hitches, and quick stuff. That's why you saw throws to the running backs, and so when you contrast that with what they did against the Giants, like I said, more vertical plays. It's a nice offense. It's a balanced offense that they're running right now, and it gives them multiple pathways to win games, which is huge.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, you really like I said, like I haven't really thought about it that way, which reason I want to have you on because you normally think about some of that stuff that we don't, but like, you can kind of go week to week. And again, like we've seen to be able to run the ball against teams and then throw the ball when they need to, like, it's not even so much of like that balance. It's like, like you said, like, like you brought up like being able to attack the short to intermediate against some of these teams and to be able to attack the intermediate, the deep against the giants or the,
0: you know. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, Connor, like we, we think so much, like, you know, people like us, like, Oh, you know, this is what the offense should look like. These are the right. things that they should do conceptual and things like that. Then every chance I get to like talk to coaches or like the combine or senior bowl or whatever, they always say, it's a matchup. Basically, right. like every right. coach is just like, it's a matchup. Basically like one week, you might run your pass game through the tight ends of running backs against the linebackers and strong safety types. The next week it might be everything against corners because, you know, it, it's so much of it is determined by the guys on the other side of the ball. Who's good. Who's not. And you're going to put players in a position to operate against them. Yeah, and yeah. so, like I said, the next two weeks, obviously, probably going to want to do whatever you want. You're going to be able to do that with Houston, with Jacksonville. But obviously, everything is pointing towards Christmassy, right? Yeah. That game against the Eagles. Right. And that's an Eagles defense that the secondary has been very good this year. I mean, Bradbury's been good, Slay's been good, corners have been good. Um, you know, Cha- Chauncey Gardner Johnson's injured now with a lacerated kidney, so that matchup won't be there. But there might be opportunities. I know T.J. Edwards has played well, but there might be opportunities again. Running backs, yeah. tight ends, yeah. Through, yeah. again through linebackers. So and, and and running the ball. I know they shut down and, and running the ball. That's game. a that's been a huge problem for the Eagles. Now they're going to get Jordan Davis back. You know, so that might help. But now Robert Quinn's banged up. You know, they added Sue, they added Joseph, but you know, I think they're still getting their legs under them a little bit. Running the ball might be massive in that game. But the good teams, you know, keeping it in the East, the Eagles, the Cowboys, they've shown that ability to win based on the best matchup. I mean, you look at the Eagles a couple weeks ago, they ran all over the Packers because they couldn't stop the right. ball, they couldn't stop the run. And then last week, Titans can't stop the pass. So they threw it a ton. Like Cowboys have that same ability to find out what you do poorly and beat you over the head with
1: it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I got I, somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody asked me on Twitter. Um, I think it was yesterday. You know, they were like, what's the difference between this team and last year's team? Because realistically, like, you know, you insert Tyler Smith, you take out Tyron Smith. So like you don't really say that that's like a big improvement. Um the way I look at it is, they sacrifice. Like last year, they just couldn't run the football with success whatsoever. Teams were playing them in that two deep, you know, coverage, and they were just they were they were forcing them to run, and they couldn't run it. Um, yeah. And again, that was some of their own fault because they didn't give Tony Pollard the touches last year that they gave him this year. Um, Zeke was banged up, but I think that they sacrificed, and and I'm totally okay with this because of the way that Dak Prescott is with his pocket movement and mobility and ability to escape pressure and maneuver pressure and handle pressure, they sacrificed what they thought was like the really good pass protection to get substantially better in run blocking. Like they went, and that was something that I didn't really agree with in the offseason. They said, Terrence Steele's a better run blocker than Lyle Collins and he's cheaper and he's younger and he's healthier. We're going to make that substitute. And I thought it could have been a disaster from a pass protection standpoint. And while it hasn't been great, we have to remember that quarterbacks make that a lot they make the pressures they make the sacks they handle pressure that some quarterbacks can't that make pressure seem so much more dangerous than not to say not, not to discount pressure but it's it can at times not matter if you're able to escape it and get to the hots and all that so and then Tyler Smith same way is not nowhere near as good as a pass protector as Tyron Smith and obviously Tyron Smith is would be and is expected to start once he gets back healthy but they just they improved substantially as a run blocking unit and i think that's why this offense offense looks so much better this year than it did last year despite missing you know what everybody would admit are better players.
0: Yeah, i think that's a great point Connor and it, it you know we spent all summer kind of crushing this organization mm-hmm. from a decision process standpoint. This might be an example of them Doing a very good job from a process standpoint because, you know, last year they were 14th in EPA per Russian attempt, which is like middle of the pack. Right. out there what fourth? Their ability to run the ball has been a big part of their success this year.
1: And honestly, the four like the 14th, they were so good at the start of the season and then so yeah. Bad. I, I mean that it just sort of created. It so felt I mean, at the end of the season it felt like it was like 28th, 29th, but the, they were so good at the beginning that that probably
0: made the EPA a little bit better yeah. overall. And then you look at Dak Prescott under pressure, right? Last year, eleventh in the league adjusted completion percentage when pressured. Like he's been a very good quarterback, certainly over the like the growth of his career arc. When pressured, he handles it well. He moves well in the pocket. He makes good decisions. Like you don't see the accuracy really dip at all right. when he's pressured. He can make throws inside the pocket, outside the pocket, on off structure from a variety of different platforms. And so they probably realize that, look, you know, if we have to sacrifice something from a pass protection standpoint to improve our run game, that's probably going to work out for us because Dak handles pressure well. And then you look at this year, adjusted completion percentage when pressured ninth in the NFL, like even with sacrificing a little bit from a pass protection standpoint up front. He's still just as good, if not better, when pressured this year. You see that backed up on film. You see some of the throws he makes when he's pressured, his ability to move in the pocket. And sometimes it's more subtle. Sometimes it's more of the click and create space with your feet as opposed to like running around and make something you know incredible happen. There's different ways to extend plays as a quarterback. But this might be an example of them seeing what they do well, seeing what Dak does well, recognizing that, hey, look, if we have to just Lean into the run game up front. Get guys that are better run blockers. That's fine because Dak's ability when pressured is a big part of what right. we can do offensively. And so if we have to get some guys that are just better run blockers that might give up a pressure to or two here there, Dak will fix that right. and will improve the run game. Will be a better team overall. So maybe they deserve a lot of credit for that decision because it seems to have panned out.
1: And don't get me wrong. While while I do want to give them. I, and I guess we're giving them credit for maybe just trusting them, the quarterback there, and going, hey, yeah. he'll make up for that loss, which is good. Like, I'm glad that they did that. And um, I do want to say that I feel like if there's something that kills them in the playoffs against a Nick Bosa or a, I'm trying to think of the, you know, the Eagles just, I guess you say Hassan Reddick, even though you Hassan Reddick probably, yeah. yeah but like, I mean, it's more, if, they, but... if they fall in the playoffs because Nick Bosa goes crazy like he did last week, then everybody's going to go back to going this is why this was a stupid decision to let you know right but 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 again like I think I just think you know some you see it more probably now since you started doing some of the stuff with with us and but this fan base as a whole just can't really come together to understand that like Dak Prescott's a really good quarterback like you're you'd much rather be with him than without him minus maybe two or three other guys in the league. And that's just one thing that people just, they will never figure out is it the way that he handles blitz, the way that he handles pressure, the way that he's able to get the offense and the right play calls against pressure and against even not pressure. Like the things he does that people that just don't really watch the tape or understand from that process like how good he is at that stuff. That's just one of the. That's one of my biggest argument points when people are like, "What do you see in the guy?" It's like a lot of that stuff. You know, where it's like, yeah. again, you, I mean, and, and again, Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate. There's no doubt about it. I don't, I don't, I don't know that I would vote for him for MVP, but he's absolutely a top three, four MVP candidate. Yeah, he's terrible against the blitz right now because he's he's yeah. he's still young enough to where he can't mentally comprehend some of that stuff and figure it out, which he's a second you quarterback at this point, so it's not to kill him. But there's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that are talented, but when you come to dealing with pressure and blitz and, you know, tighter coverage or whatever that is, or, or, you know, variety of coverage, they just can't figure it out. And that's something he's really good at and still seven years into his career, very underrated at, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a good reminder. Quarterback is not a snap to whistle position. Right. Like. Right. When you're watching and evaluating positions, like, you know, there are some positions where it's like, yeah, you're doing some stuff pre-snap. But a lot of it is like, what do you do once the ball is in play? With quarterback, when the second you break the huddle, if not even before that, I've often said that like quarterback's a Monday morning meeting room to whistle position because there's so much that has to go into playing it. Prescott does such a good job pre-snap at identifying coverages, identifying potential blitz packages, and especially in this world we're living in where you see so many different sim pressure looks. I mean, the stuff with defensive coordinators, I mean, you see this all the time. Like, the mug looks and drop in, the mug looks and, like, sending guys from the edges. Like, defenses are doing a ton of stuff pre-snap, and they're doing a lot of stuff. Like, it, it drives me nuts when you watch a game and, you know, somebody goes in motion and somebody says, oh, well, that's it's man coverage. No. Like the days of motion indicators right, and stuff like right. that being a guarantee that they're one kind of coverage or not, those are gone. I wrote earlier a long piece about the different ways defenses are fooling you, Priest, they'll, now. They'll trail the motion guy and then drop into zone. Right. They'll send somebody in motion. Nobody trails them. You're thinking it's zone. They play man. You know, add that with all the pressure stuff. There's so much that goes into playing the position before the ball is even snapped that if you aren't good before it snapped – You're going to be awful when it's snap. Yeah. And so, what Prescott's able to do pre snap is among some of the best guys in this league. And would you want to take a step back? What quarterbacks would you take over him right now? Mahomes, Allen? Mahomes, Burrow. Burrow. uh, I mean,
1: you people like, I know I'm not as high. Not, I say, like, I still think Allen's a really good quarterback, but like, he's had his plenty of struggles this year. Yeah. I mean,
0: he's up there in the league with interceptions this year. I mean, you heard it with Kyle Brandt. He was talking about the game Thursday night against the Patriots, and he had that third down escape touchdown to Gabe Davis, and he was talking about that play. And he's like, as soon as he let it go, he's like, please don't let this be another red zone interception. Right. Like, he knows that he's struggling with that right now. Right. I mean, you might still take Allen over him. Maybe not. But, like, yeah, I mean, you see what Burrow's doing right now, how efficient he is, Mahomes.
1: Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and so – Prescott's up there with the elite quarterbacks,
1: and I, I'm, I'm and, and I'm fine with people not putting him in that tier. You know, being yeah, like, yeah, I mean, if you want to say elite that
0: he's like the bottom of tier one or the right. top of tier two Absolutely. or whatever, fine. Right. That's still right. one of like ten quarterbacks on the planet. Right.
1: Yep. And it, it blows my mind. Like I said during during the Colts game Sunday night, like the amount of this guy sucks. I'm <laughs> just. I can never wrap my round of what around what people are. Hey,
0: (laughs) listen, friends. Okay, this is where Uncle Mark comes in with a little bit of reality. I'm a Patriots fan. Okay, (laughs) I know what great quarterback play looks like because I I was blessed to see it for like two decades, and now I know what it doesn't look like. Okay, (laughs) because look, Matt Jones is struggling right now. That offense, you want to see a bad passing game. Watch mirrored curl flat and post <laughs> over sixteen times a game, and tell me what a boring passing game looks like. They haven't seen a situation that Matt Patricia doesn't think that slant flat can get them out of. It's like Mike, it's like the Mike McCarthy Packers yep. offense from back in the day <laughs> that years became ago. a joke. That's what they're running right now. Yeah. And so I know what I know what bad cubing play looks like. You aren't seeing it in Dallas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. So let's get into the defense a little bit. Um, obviously that's still been, it's weird. Cause from the first, you know, weeks one through seven or whatever it was, you know, it was like the defense is the strength of this team. And while I still think you could argue they are, I mean, you're kind of looking at some of the point, you know, and again, a lot of it, they haven't had the turnovers that they had last year. Obviously they had a big turnover outing against the Colts, but yeah. kind of looking at this team going forward, do you still view the defense as a strength of this team? Or do you think that, I mean, again, you see them put up 54 and you go, How could you say that? But you look at some of the turnovers they got late in the game. And I'm not that I have, like, issues with this defense, but I am starting – like, the Giants moved the ball through the air pretty easily in the first half, and the Colts did the same thing. I think the big thing here is they're able to adjust and figure out how to defend it coming out of halftime, which is something they haven't done for years. But I have had some issues in the first half of that Giants and Colts game where I was like – Ugh, this isn't really going the way I thought it was going to go. And uh um, yeah. did you see any of that stuff? And maybe what are you kind of thinking about this? Yeah. And it's
0: right? weird. Like I, I, I see that stuff. I'm reminded of gosh, not that you know, Massachusetts high school football is, <laughs> is really a point of reference here, but I'm reminded of my defensive coordinator at high school always said, look, you know, you never run out of the gate. What you think is going to work? Like right. you want to sort of make some adjustments along the way and not that, you know, Coach Hanlon was very smart, but I, I don't know if that's really the point of reference here to rely on. I think what matters most, though, and this is something I've been so impressed with with them all year long, the ability to get pressure with four. It, yeah. It's, I mean, that's the staple, right? Like anytime you go on a podcast or a radio show, and they're like, "What does this team need to do to win?" The easiest thing to say it doesn't matter who the what the matchup is. It's can they get pressure with four? Right? right. Well, Cowboys can do that, you know. I mean, their first in pressure percentage with four, according to Sports Info Solutions. 39% of the time, they get pressure with four. You know, their first in combined sacks with 30 when they run, you know, when they get pressure with four. 30 of their 48 sacks have come when they're bringing just four after you. When you can do that in today's NFL with all the stuff we see league-wide, you know, the two high and all that stuff, it doesn't matter whether you're playing single high or two high, When you can drop seven into coverage and still get pressure with four, you're going to be in a very good spot. I mean, think about spinning this forward, right? Christmas Eve, you can pressure Jalen Hurts with four. You don't even have to blitz him. Drop seven into coverage. Make him read some stuff out. Adjusting completion percentage Jalen Hurts this year. You got to kind of scroll down to find him on that list. He's 24th. He's behind Jared Goff. He's behind Russell Wilson. Those aren't places you want to be right now. I mean, so they're built to win games defensively in today's NFL by getting pressure with four. We all know the guys that can do it. Dropping seven into coverage, mixing up coverages with seven, giving yourself those numbers in the secondary, forcing quarterbacks to read stuff out or to be patient, forcing them to put together those 10, 12, 15 play drives. That's a wooden recipe.
1: And
0: so, yeah, they might struggle out of the gate, as they, you know, maybe they go in thinking they're going to see one thing like Dallas, right? You go and I mean, the Giants, you go and you think you're going to see a lot of Saquon Barkley, a run right. game and suddenly they throw it a little bit more. And so you make some adjustments. It's great that they could do that. But they're built to win in today's NFL with what they can do up front.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's that was like Sunday night for me. You know, they started that game and I, was, I tweeted something from the account. I was like. Man, this defense seems to struggle with the teams you think, like last week against the Giants, you thought they'd come out with all the injuries on the offensive line and just destroy them. And they, they right. did it in the second half, And the first half, not so much. And I was like, they're struggling with these teams you think they would destroy. And then, like, I tweeted after that, I was like, then I remember that they got Dan Quinn and they normally figured it out after halftime. I was like, so just be patient. And then they, you know, it was, they couldn't move the football at all after halftime. So I think that's. One of the big things with him is he's just he's able to go into halftime or go able, you know, able to go in after some series where it didn't go as planned and just adjust on the fly. And and they do a really good job of doing that, which is something that in order to win, especially in the playoffs, is you've got to be able to do that. You gotta be able to adjust on the fly and change the game plan and and change up what you thought you might be able to do going in.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly right. I mean, they have the flexibility from a personnel standpoint. They have the flexibility from a concept standpoint where they can go single high. They can go too high. They can make adjustments. That's huge. But I just think that sort of foundational tenant, right? Pressure with four, seven in coverage. That's such a huge advantage for them.
1: Yeah. They're so good. I mean, while they're really good at pressure pressure with four too, you don't see them get uh, blitz when they blitz a lot either, which is an issue As you see some teams who just, they're, live or die they're going to blitz a ton and they get ate up with it but when they blitz they seem to get home a lot and if they don't get home they apply enough pressure to where you're not seeing the incompletions so it's it or you're not seeing the completions and that's something that you know I think that they've they've impressed with too is they're able to get pressure when they don't bring extra guys and they're able to get pressure in sacks when they do and I think that that's that's key because again it's like when you play Dak you know you can sit back and maybe not get much pressure on them and when you do he gets out of it and then you think, okay, well let's blitz him. Well then when you blitz him, you know, he completes it to he escapes pressure and completes the ball and makes big plays. So it's tough to really, you know, a lot of teams struggle with doing both. They feel like they gotta bring the house more consistently, or they figure they gotta, you know, be a little bit more, you know, crazy and exotic about the way they bring pressure, but they can kind of just do they can do both. Kind of like the offense. Yeah. They can run the ball, they can throw the ball, they can attack which so that again, I, I think this team's one of the more complete teams in the NFL right now. You know, the the health questions kind of start to crop up. You know, you just off Anthony Brown, to, a torn Achilles. So, Kelvin Joseph's going to have to slide in and play a pivotal role. Um, they're getting a lot out of Duran Bland, which is something that yeah. you know, we don't see. Fifth, you know, day three corner, step in in the rookie year and play what he's how he's played this year. So, that's huge. Um, but if this team can stay healthy, I mean, I'm kind of going to get your closing thoughts on it. But where do you kind of see this team – in the nfl in the nfc you know barring any sort of you know significant injuries
0: yeah i mean i don't buy the minnesota vikings i don't know like,
1: we saw we saw how that went
0: <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i don't buy it like mac jones had his best passing game of the year against the minnesota right. vikings like and i know they were banned up in the secondary that night but like I, I think their resume is pretty thin. They got a fluke win against Buffalo when Josh Allen couldn't practice that entire week. Like, I, I, I just I'm I'm not a believer. The NFC South is obviously a disaster. Like you still yeah, gotta someday worry someday.
1: about old old Tom Brady somehow figuring it out.
0: I mean, the only thing that scares me about them as a potential team that could face them, like if you're Dallas or what I mean it would be annoying to see Dallas have to go to Tampa Bay in the first round. Yeah. um, Which is just weird. Um, Is if Byron left, which is just like, you know what, Tom just run, no huddle and call it. Like that's the only time they seem competent on offense is when they're just like in hurry up mode. And Brady's doing stuff at the line because once left, which gets involved, it seems like they can't figure anything out the Rams game, the game, the other night, like they're doing nothing for 59 minutes. And suddenly they go tempo and they can figure it out, right? Um, The Niners, two weeks ago, it looked like, yeah, they were going to be a complete team with the way that Debo was playing, with the way that they were using Debo and McCaffrey interchangeably. It was a fascinating, you know, offense to watch that can beat you in a bunch of different ways. They can run the football well. They can throw the football well. They could stop you with, you know, defensively. They can get pressure with four. They look like the two most complete teams to me. I mean, the only thing that kind of stinks from Dallas's perspective is you might have to win an extra game just to get to see them in an NFC championship game unless things sort of flip, which is why, obviously, you know, that game Christmas Eve is huge. Uh, But those look like the two most complete teams to me in the NFC. And, you know, frankly, you take a step back and look at the entire league. Kansas city is obviously very good. Buffalo has some things they got to figure out. Cincinnati seems to be coming on because they've figured out some stuff against two. Why Miami looks dangerous, but the Eagles and the Cowboys might be the two most complete teams in the NFL.
1: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think that's up until last. And again, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit yet, but up until last week, I still would have had Kansas city at one just because I thought I kind of just figured that offense was still showing that they were kind of unstoppable, but and 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 let me—they were unstoppable until Kelsey kind of fumbled that ball last, last yeah. week and allowed can uh, Cincinnati back into that game. But I, mean, I think you're looking at Cincinnati, Kansas City, Buffalo in the AFC, and Philadelphia and Dallas in the NFC. I mean, I just yeah. like you said, like I don't think you can take Minnesota that serious yet. And I just think with the with not knowing what you're going to get out of Brock Purdy in San Francisco, it's hard to really. Just even though that defense is phenomenal, it's just you can't. I don't know if you can put them on that same tier with Philly and Dallas. I mean,
0: with Garoppolo healthy, I think you could. Yeah, absolutely. Because he was playing better this year. He was I mean, playing very well before yeah. he got hurt. Um, but it, it Purdy, to his credit, Purdy played pretty well against Miami. Like, right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Shanahan's going to scheme stuff up, and they're going to be okay. But it's like, what? It's third and nine right. in a kind playoff.
1: I mean, not that he was terrible last week either. But it's kind of like the Mike White thing too. Like you get, yeah, it's like the the not knowing what you're getting can kind of surprise teams at times, and right. they can have a good outing, and then comes back the next week. And I mean, not to say that he was awful, but he, he threw for a bunch of yards, but threw two picks, wasn't able to score in the red zone, and like the Mike the Mike White experience hit that roller coaster ride real quick.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, let's see what happens like this week when he goes out right. against Tampa Bay. And they get a week of Brock Purdy film, or right. like two weeks, when he has to go to Seattle and play in that environment. So, yeah, I mean, that's the other team, right? Cost. Seattle's
1: probably the next team that people are like, yeah. I mean, am I, am I forgetting somebody that you can think of? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, uh, Philly, Dallas, San Francisco, Seattle. I mean, is that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't really trust the Giants. I, I mean, I think I, honestly, I think, I, I was think, think
1: Washington's going to leap them.
0: I think so too. I mean, I mean, both of those coaches I think deserve a ton of credit for different reasons for having those teams where they are. I mean, for Dable, look, Shane said before the season, like, look, this is the hand we were dealt, it is what it is. He was basically like, right. We're going forward 13 kids, right. let's buckle up and be reasonable. The fact that they're in the mix around Christmas time is huge. And for Washington, Rivera's gonna deal with the whole of Snyder stuff, you know, losing his mom, Carson Wentz being Carson Wentz. And to have that team in contention, I think, is huge. Like, those two coaches deserve a ton of credit, but I don't think that neither team is, either team is making a deep
1: playoff run or anything. No, no. Yeah, I mean, that's – Also, Seattle is probably that fourth team, and it's just like it,
0: – The the thing with Seattle, though, I mean, as we start thinking about draft and stuff, they're sitting with the third overall pick oh, thanks yeah. to that Russell Wilson trade. Like they have right now, five picks in the first three rounds, that's, and I I see a lot of mocks right now with like C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. I don't think you have to do that.
1: That's like if that, we- that's their that's their strength, and it could be their weakness right now. Like having Geno Smith can be their strength going into twenty twenty three because they can spend all those high picks on other positions. But if they do that and then Geno Smith reverts back to what we're used to, then it's going to be like.
0: What I would love to see, like, I, I don't know if it happens because we know how, but maybe at last year is an indicator the league is starting to shift their thinking on this. Anthony Richardson at like 36. Yeah. Like, you know, if you come out of the first round with, say, you know, Will Anderson at three or Jalen Carter at three, and then another defensive player, you know,
1: just gonna, it's gonna. You're if what I said happens, where it's like Geno Smith, 2023 goes back to Geno Smith that we've known for the last however many years. Which again, let me again, Geno Smith's been incredible this year. Like, yeah, yeah. Like we're, we talked about, what quarterbacks you know. Not saying we're taking Geno Smith over Dak, but like he's in the discussion of like top eight quarterbacks in 2022, like without Absolutely. question, really. So he's played phenomenal. But if this is like the one year one, you know, if this is the Carson Wentz year. And in right. 23, 24, he goes back to being Geno Smith. And they they do the Washington where they pass they pass up on Justin Herbert for Chase Young. Two years yeah. down the road, they're going to be like, we had a top five pick and we spend it on, you know, whoever they would draft. It's, it's tough. It is, you know, you're is because you're in that spot where you're like, you want to trust you, Geno Smith, but then you say that out loud. And you go, crap, what are we going to do with right.
0: that? <laughs> I mean, but you also look. Pete Carroll, I'm sure, is salivating at the idea of either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. I'm oh, sure. I'm sure. I, I am sure. I know
1: it, that just seems so much like the Justin Herbert, Chase Young thing from a couple of yeah, years.
0: Yeah, it does seem like it a ton. <laughs> I mean, you know, but maybe Geno sticks. I mean, this 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 could be one of the great stories.
1: That would be crazy. What yeah. is he year? What year is he in? <laughs> year like eight, nine, ten.
0: Yeah. I, let's see.
1: Let's see. Let's see.
0: Career. I mean, his first season was 13.
1: So, yeah, nine. Year nine. You don't see many quarterbacks hitting year
0: nine. This is year 10. Yeah, year 10. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it makes you wonder about like all those years where like the Jets. Was not the, the Jets? Giants. Yeah, like Crazy. they're just giving the guy more of a shot. Who knows?
1: Football is a funny thing
0: man it's an extremely funny thing
1: But cool man mark i'm glad you're able to come back on like i said we, we we bashed this team a lot in the offseason we like, did
0: we did but now this. we got to take oh, some they of our deserve
1: own. the bashing and now they deserve the praise cuz it worked they deserve
0: out. the praise and the flowers and look let's do it again come playoff time
1: yeah yeah we'll we'll uh we'll give it a the same month break we gave it last time and then bring you back on towards the towards love. the end of the season love it Maybe may, may, Maybe we won't go quite as long, and before or after that Christmas Eve
0: game. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Yeah, let's do that.
1: All right, Mark, this is great. Always, always a pleasure, buddy. We'll have you back on in a couple weeks. And sounds uh, good, my friend. Keep keep crushing it. Let everybody know can Find you. I know you're doing your some different stuff from last time you were on. So let, let everybody know. Yeah, everything. I mean it's
0: all SB Nation, Like I, um, th- it's mostly football, but I mean I'm writing baseball. I'm writing World Cup. I'm writing Formula One, kids. So if you're an F1 fan, I'm writing about that too. Um, did you get your Aaron
1: Judge article out this morning?
0: Yeah, I, I did put up a quick Aaron Judge piece that titled, um, Arson Judge did not sign with the Giants <laughs> and neither did Aaron Judge because Twitter was fun Tuesday night when Heyman put out that tweet that Arson Judge was going to the Giants. That that was tremendous. And then he had the Ballinger tweet and people were like, you sure? You sure about this one, yeah. John? Yeah. So, But we love the hot stove season, right? always always at least, the, at least the Yankees are doing stuff it sounds like the Red Sox are gonna let everybody walk well
1: I mean I shouldn't compl- I shouldn't complain they just signed the MVP to a lifetime deal but they haven't really done anything but that so right hoping they get this done and now they move on to the next
0: now they move on to some other pieces you know, Yeah, we,
1: we had some pitching and a short stop and we really start to build this bad boy and not just go hey Aaron Judge can you win us the World Series again can you save us please <laughs> <laughs> mark this is great Everyone listening, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Make sure you guys are checking out all the shows on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Make sure you're returning every Wednesday to check out the Talking the Star podcast as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks, Mark, for joining. We'll see you guys next week.